You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook where we post all of our content, and you can subscribe, rate the show on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how, and anytime you want to hit us up at the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775, and the post-McCarthy era is underway in Green Bay. Joe Philbin 1-0 and as Green Bay Packers head coach, at least interim head coach, as the Packers really dismantled the Atlanta Falcons 34-20. to And that final score is not indicative of the, how close this game was. This game was 34-7 late in the second half. Atlanta scored 13 in the fourth quarter, really in garbage time. And this game, this game was decided. It was 20 to seven at half. Green Bay scores 34 unanswered points after the opening drive. And it was a lot of what we thought. And we talked on Thursday about what this offense might look like and what the changes might be. And early on, we didn't see those carries for Aaron Jones, but we did see a lot of the schematic stuff that that we thought we might see with more in-breaking rounds, attacking the middle of the field a little bit more, more quick game. They did spread the formations a little bit better. They they varied the formations a little bit better. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Jamal Williams started the game, but Aaron Jones, I mean, clearly got the lion's share of, of the workload. Uh, the, the Charles Davis, the the uh, analyst on the game for Fox, suggested that maybe it was because he was a superior pass protector. I think certainly. Um, that played into the thinking here with Lane Taylor out, Brian Bulaga out, and Byron Bell dealing with injuries. I think that Bell injury probably makes this team better with Justin McCray in there. Jason Spriggs did okay. Lucas Patrick did okay. Four first half sacks, none in the second half for the Falcons. So they did their job. It was not some sort of incredible performance by the offense. Seven of the points that they got came from a Bashad Breland pick six. We're going to talk about the defense, the second half of the show a little bit. But what we did see was the formula we thought the Packers would use most of the season. Use the passing game to score, to get a lead, and then use the running game to salt it away. Aaron Rodgers finished the game 21 of 32 for 196 and two touchdowns. Broke Tom Brady's record for consecutive attempts without an interception. Did so on a touchdown pass. And it was a touchdown pass that was thrown absolutely perfectly. Rodgers' accuracy in this game was much better than we've seen in weeks past. And, and not everything is fixed. Let's be clear about this. Just because this team scored a bunch of points and beat up the worst defense in football does not mean the offense is magically fixed. But a lot of the stuff that we wanted them to do, 
get in and out of the huddle a little bit faster. Get the ball to Aaron Jones more often. Feature Devontae Adams. And, and I thought that he, he could have had an even bigger day, that, that Jimmy Graham pick play. Yeah, that was a penalty. But that's also something that every team in the league does five times a game against man coverage, and it doesn't get called. So I didn't love that call, but it, it is what it is. Uh, Green Bay much better situationally in this game. And and that is what has been the case all year for this team. Play to play offensively, they've been good, even very good. But it's situationally, they haven't been good. Well, on this day, they're one for one in red zone trips. And on third down, they go seven for 13. And they weren't great play to play. Under five yards a play, that's well below their season average. Only 300 total yards, that's well below their season average. Now, they didn't need a bunch of yards because they got two turnovers, a pick six, and a fumble. So they were able to create some opportunities for themselves. But this was not some sort of offensive explosion. What I think is encouraging, if you're a Packers fan, is getting back to some of the things that made this team good in the first place. I liked... Equinemius St. Brown getting a little bit more run. I think he can really help this team. He was involved early, but that elbow injury, you know, it really is kind of gnarly and he's fighting through it and good for him for doing that. Marquez Valdez-Scantling got involved a little bit later on. They found ways to get Aaron Jones the ball in the passing game. He had three catches for 28 yards, had over 100 total yards on 19 touches. Joe Philbin said he wanted to get him about 20 touches between the run game and the pass game. And because Green Bay had a lead, they were able to get to that run game a little bit later. Again, not everything is fixed. But to put up 27 points offensively, even against a bad defense, given all the injuries, given all the turmoil this week, I think is a pretty good accomplishment. Aaron Rodgers uh, you know, didn't have a monster day through the air. But didn't need to. Made the plays that he had to. Made some plays with his legs on third down. He had three carries for 44 yards, including a 21-yarder. Um, had another one called back. So he and had the, the long scramble that turned into a, a skirmish. And by the way, Deion Jones. He should have been tossed. That was that was Bush League. Jumping on the pile on Lucas Patrick's head, basically taking a swipe at it. I thought he should have been kicked out of the game. That was absolute Bush League garbage. But Green Bay should be happy to get a win. And the, the offense, you know, Aaron Rodgers talked about it after the game. Joe Philbin, right from the start, captured this team. And they, they talked all week about the focus and the energy. And the firing of Mike McCarthy put everyone on notice. And I think there were a lot of uh, fitting tributes Mike McCarthy was allowed to come back, addressed his coaches on Tuesday, addressed the team on Wednesday, and uh, you know hopefully that gives him and the team closure. But what Aaron Rodgers said after the game was, everyone bought in right away to Joe Philbin's plan. And I think that speaks to two things. Number one, they were really, really, really craving a new voice. And I don't know that that it was a shot at McCarthy, and maybe indirectly it is. Maybe it was meant to explicitly be a shot. But I think also, when you look at the game plan, and you see the changes that were made, 
and you see more of the quick game, and you see more Aaron Jones in the passing game, and you see Devontae Adams running in-breaking routes, and you see some interesting stuff. I mean, the Packers called two straight screens in this game. That's not something I think you would have seen Mike McCarthy do, and the first one didn't work. Joe Philbin liked the other one, called the other one, and that one worked. They, They had Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones on the field at the same time. That was an interesting look, and it worked. That that picked up a first down on the running game. Basically, Jamal Williams acted as a lead blocker. You can imagine that this team offensively, when Joe Philbin is saying, these are the changes we're going to make, this is the game plan, the offense is going, yeah, I like this. This makes sense. So I I don't think you you can just rule out that part of the reason that this team was so receptive and responsive to what Joe Philbin wanted to do was because he had some really good ideas and that manifested itself on game day. I mean, we saw it and there were still some throwaways from Rodgers, still some sacks. He still is holding the ball a little bit, wants to get those kill shots down the field. And I don't, I honestly don't begrudge him. I think with, with Bulaga and a healthy offensive line, it's a little bit easier for him to do that against most teams. It will not be something he can do this week against Chicago. So even even with a healthy offensive line. So they're going to have to drill that. They're going to have to have a great plan. Getting the win was the important part. Now they have to show that that this was not just what, you know, what we've been talking about all last week. Was this a dead cat bounce? Is this for real? Or was this a mediocre team playing another mediocre team whose season was over and who's quit? and who's now lost, I think it's five straight, and their season is over. Was that what happened? Or did this team finally realize more of its potential? Did it play to its ability? And I think you have to say it's a little bit of both because the Falcons are still a talented team. You still have to play well to beat them. And Green Bay played well enough to beat them. They got big plays on defense. They got big plays on offense. They looked more cohesive. They came out with a lot more energy. Even after the opening drive touchdown, Green Bay's offense comes right back and answers. And it looked like we were going to have a shootout. And then there was a little bit of stagnation. Green Bay is able to put 13 points on the board in the second quarter. They've got a 2017 lead. And basically from there, they don't look back. Uh, there was you know, the garbage time points. But this was the game that this team needed to play. And I think if we're really being honest, it's this kind of game that makes you say, okay, this is why Mike McCarthy is no longer employed because this is a team capable of playing to this level. And for whatever reason, and I think there are myriad reasons why they didn't, they did not all season. They did not consistently play this way. We saw them take the Rams to the brink on the road. We've seen them play toe-to-toe with really good teams and just come up a little bit short in certain situations. They didn't do that today. This is the most complete game they've played from start to finish, and they did it against a team that went to the playoffs last year. And and a team that, despite the defensive deficiencies, Deion Jones played in this game. So it wasn't like, oh yeah, none of their... This wasn't when Keanu Neal and Deion Jones and everyone was hurt. Grady Jarrett, everyone was hurt. No, Grady Jarrett, Vic Beasley... Deion Jones, those guys played. And Green Bay still got after this defense, and, and that's great. And then you look at the offensive side of the ball, Green Bay in in game time that matters. I mean, it took it took until deep in the third quarter for the Rams to get 150 yards 
And that's with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and Tevin Coleman and Matt Ryan and this offensive line. So, and the offensive line has had its issues, but it's not a it's not a crap unit. It's not a dog unit. So we've been waiting for Green Bay to have the offense, defense, and special teams come through. Jair Alexander drops two punts, luckily falls back on both of them, but Mason Crosby makes two field goals, and Green Bay is is able to get a more complete performance, offense, defense, special teams. That is what they needed. That is what they had to have. And regardless of whether or not they can still make the playoffs, and they can, and, and basically everything that needed to happen on Sunday for Green Bay to, to keep their hopes alive happened. Washington lost and looked awful. Philadelphia lost. Carolina lost. And if Minnesota loses on Monday, Green Bay... Really, they, they just need Carolina, Washington, and Philly to lose one more game. Good chance of that with those teams, given who they still have to play. And Minnesota needs to lose two because of the, the stupid tie, because the NFL got a call horribly wrong. But that's not out of the question either, the way Minnesota is playing, especially if they lose today. So a lot broke right. Green Bay technically still in the mix. So technically still has something to play for. It would be great to see them build some momentum going into the offseason because Brian Gutekunst, Mark Murphy, those guys would like to know who they can hang their hat on and what they can hang their hat on as they go into the offseason, making big decisions about this roster, who is going to be on it, who is going to be coaching it, what they need to do in the draft, what they need to do in free agency. So these games even if they're not incredibly meaningful in the way that December football usually is for the Packers, they're still important games for the future of this team from an evaluation standpoint. And also winning games matters. It matters to have your young players and even your veterans. It matters to have Aaron Rodgers connecting with Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown and Jimmy Graham and Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. These are core members of this team and them being able to build some continuity moving forward could pay dividends down the line. And speaking of paying dividends, if you want to take your football knowledge and put it to good use, and I'm talking about monetary use, you should be gambling at my bookie because you can trust my bookie. They've been in business for years. They've got great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use. They've got live in-game betting, which is really fun. Is the team going to convert on third down? Are they going to make this field goal? All sorts of of live in-game stuff, prop bets, over-unders on fantasy points, and the best player perks in the business. And right now, they're going to basically pay you to make a deposit in my bookie right now, using the promo code LOCKDOWN25, get a dollar for dollar deposit bonus on any deposit up to $1,000. And additionally, if you make that deposit after 7 p.m. with the promo code LOCKDOWN25, they'll give you an additional $25 in free play on any deposit over $100. That's a dollar for dollar deposit bonus up to $1,000 in free money plus an additional $25 after 7 p.m. with the promo code LOCKEDON25 because at MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. We have to talk about the defense because this, this does not turn into a Packers win if not for the defense because Atlanta is absolutely capable of putting 27 points, of matching the, the point total of the Green Bay offense. But for a long stretch of this game, in fact, for three full quarters, 
the Packers' defense had scored as many points as the Atlanta offense. The pick six from Bashad Breeland, which was a great play from him. He also was the guy who recovered the fumble when when they had the, the snap that hit Mohamed Sanu as he was coming across the formation. A, a little bit of a gift play, but but sometimes the ball bounces your way, sometimes it doesn't. And for most of the season, the ball has not bounced Green Bay's way. The defense played its butt off, and they gave up some plays in the run game but they also got a ton of important plays when they needed them. They were able to get third down stops. They were able to get off the field. They were able to get penetration, get pressure on Matt Ryan. And it is true that Julio Jones got off a little bit in this game. Eight catches, 106 yards, and two touchdowns on 11 targets. But when you consider Jair Alexander, who's a rookie, who's giving up 25 pounds to Julio Jones, who's giving up four inches of height to Julio Jones, only gave up that much, it is kind of a win. And I think more to the point, when you look at the way Jair Alexander impacted the rest of this game, being able to just put him on Julio one-on-one and not give safety help, that changes your defense. Even if he's going to give up some catches, you just say, okay, we're going we're gonna to live with him giving up some catches in one-on-one coverage because it frees up our safeties to be everywhere else on the field. And for most of the game, that worked. I mean, I, I said it earlier, 150 total yards. The Falcons did not break that mark until under five minutes left in the third quarter. This is a really good offense, and Green Bay absolutely body-checked them for a lot of this game. Now, penalties were a huge factor, but... Penalties are a thing, right? I mean, that they they count. And one of the reasons why the offensive line was holding so much is because the defensive front for the Packers was getting penetration. They were getting in the backfield. The best game Clay Matthews has had as a Packer in a long time, had a sack, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits. He had a really good game. We didn't hear a lot of negative plays. And in fact, Very few negative plays from Josh Jackson. He played well in coverage. The Packers basically erased Calvin Ridley from this game. They basically said, if you want to throw to Julio, that's great. No one else is going to beat us. And and that worked. It's kind of a reverse Belichick. Because what what Belichick often liked to do is take his number one corner and put him on your number two receiver and then give help with the second corner on your number one receiver. Well, what the Packers said was, we're going to put our best guy on your best guy. And we're going to, we don't think you can beat us enough there to to hurt us with anyone else. Because we're going to take away everyone else. And Green Bay basically did. Now, I don't know if that's the game plan, but that's basically what ended up happening. Jair Alexander did not have help on a lot of the, the catches that he gave up. And he made he made really good plays. Those first two catches of the game I still don't think we're catches. The first one, definitely not. And Dean Blandino agreed. And the second one was really close. It looked to me from the angle that was the camera from the line of scrimmage facing the end zone. So basically from where Matt Ryan was throwing the ball. That camera, it looked to me like the second foot didn't come down until it was on the sideline. That was what it looked like to me. So you have to take two of those catches and basically half the yards and wipe them off the books because I just don't think they were there. 
Now, Jair Alexander did give up a catch on the sidelines that didn't end up counting where he lost track of the ball, but was there step for step with Julio. But let me make another point. In the second half, after giving up some catches to Julio, giving up two touchdowns to Julio, Jair Alexander comes up on a screen play and blows it up, makes a tackle. On the play before that, he had gotten a pass breakup off a slot corner blitz because he's right in the throwing lane for Matt Ryan. He can affect the game in so many ways. He is a playmaker. And just because he is not going to be able to consistently cover Julio Jones one-on-one, which, by the way, very few corners can, if any, in the league, he can help your team in other ways. He is a solid tackler. He is a tone setter. He is a culture setter. He injects some swagger into this defense, and he's going to get better. He's going to get better playing the ball in the air, and he's going to get more comfortable playing a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage because he can run. Now, he might not be able to run with Julio, but he's going to be able to run with most guys in this league. He was a sub 4-4 player, so he's got the wheels. If he wants to play a little bit more press, a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage, he can do that. I think he's just going to play faster next year because he's going to be thinking less. It's going to be more instinctual. And it would be great if Green Bay had him playing next to Bashad Breland, who absolutely should be back on this team. And whether or not you think Josh Jackson is a good player or a bad player is irrelevant. Whether or not you think Kevin King can stay healthy or not, or is a good player or a bad player, or whether or not Green Bay should have taken TJ Watt, none of that is relevant to the cost-benefit analysis of keeping Bashad Breland. He was signed to a three-year, $24 million deal this offseason. That was voided because of the weird injury. I would expect it costs something similar to keep him this year, but the Packers can re-sign him before he hits free agency. They should do that. In fact, I would make the case he's the only player on this team that is a free agent, an unrestricted free agent, that Green Bay should throw significant resources at to bring back on this team. There are other players who can be re-signed and, and who can get you know qualifying offers or small deals to come back, but he is the impact player to bring back on this team and could and could form a really good secondary with Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Josh Jackson, and maybe Jackson, you keep Breland and that allows you to take Jackson and move him to safety. I like Tremont Williams at free safety. I think he's done some nice things. Anyone who saw even just the highlights of Washington, New York and Saquon Barkley dusting HaHa Clinton Dix knows what what that trade looked like for the Packers. I think it's ridiculous that they got a fourth rounder in retrospect because I, I don't think Washington would give them old golf shoes and a bag of balls for HaHa if they wanted to do that trade again, given what they've seen from him. He's been terrible for Washington. And I said it at the time, it is addition, it is addition by subtraction. And I really believe that. And, and I think most of the smart people who cover this team saw that. And I think Pro Football Focus's numbers can be useful for a lot of reasons. I don't know how useful their grades are at times because they say HaHa Clinton Dix is an all-pro player and he's terrible. He's bad. He's been bad all year. Interceptions do not tell the whole story. Fan voting for Pro Bowls do not tell the whole story. He's been bad. He's been bad, and Green Bay should be happy that he is not on their team and they don't have to make a decision about whether or not to pay him. They don't, and that's great news for Green Bay because this defense does have a strong core. 
up the middle, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels, Blake Martinez. That is a great interior core on the outside with King, Alexander, Jackson, and maybe Breland. That is an excellent defensive backfield. We don't quite know what we, what the Packers have with the safeties with Josh Jones, Kentrell Bryce. Is Tremont Williams a long-term answer there? Clearly, he's not a long-term answer, but is he a two- or three-year answer there? Maybe he is. I think the real question right now is, is on the edge, and that's something that with two first-round picks, with money to spend this offseason, Green Bay can go out and, and get a solution to. They were able to hold this offense in check without outstanding edge pressure. Because of what they were able to do with the back end, I think Tony Brown looks like a player had a had a couple big hits. He's really he's really coming into his own. He got the start over Bashad Breeland, and I don't think that was indicative of of how this this team views them as players. But I think it was to give Tony Brown a shot, and he made some plays and made some tackles and brings a little physicality. I like the way that he plays. I think the Packers could really have something there. Is he a superstar? Probably not. But could he be a quality rotation player? Yeah, I think he could be. All right, the Packers get a big win. Their playoff hopes still alive at 5-7-1. That tie really looming large right now because if that were a win and they were just 6-7, and seven, they would be right in the thick of the playoff race. And they still are. But they would they would need a lot less help from Minnesota. They need to win this week. And, and after what we saw from the Bears defense on Sunday, that is going to be no easy feat this weekend. Green Bay needs this offensive line to get healthy. They need Brian Bulaga to be on the field. They need Lane Taylor to be on the field. Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, those guys can wreck your day. And you don't want them in the lap of Aaron Rodgers. So the Packers... This was a step in the right direction for them offensively, but they need the defense to play like it did on Sunday. They need to be able to turn over Mitch Trubisky to get some of those splash plays that they haven't consistently got this season, and they need the offense to to play like they did in the second half in week one. Doesn't that look even more impressive now? What Rodgers did on one leg, I'm sure shot up full of painkillers and just lit the Bears' defense on absolute fire. 24 second-half points is still the most the Bears have allowed all season on defense. And you know they're going to be fired up to see Aaron Rodgers and company on Sunday. So another big game for Green Bay. They go to Chicago, the league's oldest rivalry, even in a season that has not gone the way Green Bay has wanted. They can play spoiler, and they can still go beat the Bears. We'll be back for plenty more this week. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify. Leave us a review. Let us know why you're listening, why you like the show. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. I know on Bears Week, you will stay Locked on Packers. Packers.